welcome back to Radio Brews News, the podcast of many tastes. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, executive producer, tong master, uh, presenter extraordinaire, Pete Mitchum. Pete, we're almost regular once again. We are, two in a row, provided (laughs) provided this gets up off the drawing board. Well... Yeah, into, into the ring yeah. and, uh, and and throws a few <laughs> actual make... <laughs> punches. Man, I, 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 I'll wear that. I know that you've heard uh, a lot more po- podcasts being recorded than our listeners have heard being broadcast. So uh, uh, I, I, I do promise that uh, I will get this one up um, uh, within a yeah, reasonable. But, and in the in the spirit of the current thirtieth Olympiad um, and and all that sort of you know, the whole team aspect comes into it. So it's not. There's no criticism of, of you personally. There's no I in team. Thank you very much. All right. So Thank you very it's, much. It's a, it's, it is a team effort. Uh, we, we, <laughs> there, there is nothing wrong with being a silver medalist. Is that what you're I, telling I me? Was, well, I, I didn't want to actually... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody knows that the, the Olympic motto, if actually correctly translated from the ancient Latin, means winners are grinners and shit sandwich for second. But <laughs> overall, it's look. It's a it's a great effort to get there. I don't know. There's probably some parallels in the in the beer industry, in that there are probably you know. So recently, one of the, the two big brewers, uh, you know, the, the the gold the the reigning gold medalist since God's dog was a pup was recently, I guess, pipped into into second in, into the silver medal position, by um by its, its nearest competitor for the first time in ages. Funnily enough, I did describe Stephen Bra- uh, uh, VB as the Stephen Bradbury of beers. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't know that Forex Gold has actually surged from behind, uh, but yeah, VB did no, take v- a little VB. bit of a stumble and a fall. Yeah, VB desurged from in front, <laughs> and Lyon said, "Well, you know, it, we still crossed the line first. We've, we've, yeah, our last Stephen Bradbury." We- we turned around to see that everyone else had sort of fallen in a heap on the floor. Well, interesting, and I'd, I'd love to get our listeners' opinions about why, because I was I was called fairly early by um, the breakfast show down here to give some uh, expert comments on uh, on the, the whole, you know, the fall of VB or the rise of Forex or, you know, whatever it might have been, and uh, can you really taste the difference and all that sort of stuff. And, and opinions on uh, on talkback seem to be you know, many and varied, and then opinion through the Twitter sphere and various blogs. I'd, I'd be interested to know whether people think that it's not that we're you know moving away from VB to Forex, but we're moving away perhaps VB. I guess is is a Victorian heartland sort of beer. I guess that's where I, I would imagine most of the sales come from. Victorians tend to be making more of a. a sh- shift away from the ordinary to, you know, something a little bit different. I wonder whether that's got something to do with it or whether it's advertising or who knows. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's really funny. I, last week I mentioned that as a side to the James Squire, uh, sorry, the, the, the um, Little Creatures takeover, um, that, you know, it's fantastic for Little Creatures. They'll become more available. It's fantastic for beer drinkers because... Uh, a big range of craft beers is going to become available. Not sure what it's going to mean for the industry. And I, I have had a couple of publicans that have come out and said, mate, you, you, you're spot on with with that. We were looking at mixing our taps up a little bit, but, you know, it sounds like Line has come out aggressively um, in their negotiations at the moment, pointing to the strength of their portfolio. And it sounds like a lot of venues are going to start going to, uh, you know, back to Line. And I, I just think that, 
CUB has got a really long, hard road ahead of them. Um, and that stems back to what you were just saying about, you know, VB. I, I think for a long time, um, CUB were pretty complacent. They had the biggest selling beer in VB. Um, they had the, you know, uh, the biggest emerging category uh, of uh, pure blonde. Um, and they see themselves, um, and, and I constantly hear from people within CB, you know, CUB, that, look, we're brand builders. We you know, are very good. And I just think that the era of just monolithic brands is well and truly gone. And a lot of these publicans are saying, you know, look, we want, we want interesting beers. We want people to talk about it. You know, we, that sort of thing. And I just don't see much in the uh, CUB range that they're doing much around that. They, they've, they've got fantastic brands in Cascade and Matilda Bay that would really fit in nicely. But, you know, I just don't know what they're doing with them, Prof. The Forgotten Heroes. Hey, there was another article too, uh, interestingly, in the Melbourne papers this week um, about people moving away from drinking in pubs and we're drinking more at home. And they sort of, you know, cited the, the examples of, you know, in the 60s, it, it was almost... Um, offensive to to drink at home you didn't you, drinking at home wasn't you know home wasn't where you drank it was it was the pub and it was convivial and it was all that sort of thing i wonder whether those old died in the wool loyal vb drinkers are, are sort of slowly falling off the perch and not being replaced because the um i guess it's not cool to anymore to drink what your dad drank whereas maybe if your dad was a chippy and then you became his apprentice, and uh, you know, Friday, you know, Friday night after work or whatever, you'd go to the the, lo- the local and you'd you'd down pots of VB and say, "Oh, Dad drinks VB, so I'm going to drink VB." Is that now not happening quite as much as well as we're now drinking at home? And there's no, I, I guess, VB also at forty bucks a, a slab has lost that competitive price edge. I think. Um, to to the other perceived premium brands, to actual premium brands, to imports and to craft beer. Man, I, I, to be honest, I think people are just you know, beer is you know entered the new millennium. Um, if VB drinkers are falling off the perch, Australia's death rate must be pretty high at the rate that VB <laughs> has uh, come back to the pack. Um, you know, I, I think that people are looking you know more widely. Um, you know, their imports are going through the roof. Um, well, actually, imports are taking soaking up a bit of that, but I think you know, and craft beer doesn't explain it all because we're still talking about two percent of the market. So, you know, VB's lost a huge percent. It's just a very fragmented um, culture. Yeah, people are drinking less beer. Um, the what they are drinking is is very very different. Um, we- but uh, it, it it's interesting because Coopers did talk in the seventies and eighties that there was a little bit of that. That you know. Uh, people didn't want to, you know, beer drinkers didn't want to drink what their dad drank, and the, the, these cloudy ales were a little bit on the nose, and lagers, you know, people were going to lagers. Mm. But then again, they also plugged into that um, with, I guess, what were the 1980s equivalent of hip of current hipsters. Um, you know, they they really targeted the uni students in 1980s who were looking for something that was a little bit different than than the lagers. So that sort of cycle can work both ways. Um, yeah. And, uh, and and you see it in the states where what is it? Pabst Blue Ribbon has got that hipster you know appeal because it's an old old school lager beer um, that, that's suddenly doing very cool very again. nicely. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no. Look, it, it, it's very interesting. But I, I just can't help but think that CUB has its work cut out for them, um, and and not just because of the brands that they've lost. But you know, I don't think there's any other way to say it, that there are a lot of people in 
the company that don't seem to know too much about beer. And I had, I had a bit of a crack about it with that innovation job thing. Um, you know, the, the head of innovation didn't even seem to need to know anything about beer. And that was, um, you know, only half serious. But, you know, I, I do see it more and more. I think I've spoken before about going to a, uh, a lunch uh, late last year that was for CUB. Um, and wine had a big, you, you would have thought that it was a wine company, you know, because there, there was no attempt to match the, the fantastic lunch with any of the beers. And every course on the lunch would have gone perfectly with one of the uh, Matilda Bay beers. They had, you know, a, a bunch of female journalists who were all sticking to wine, which, you know, they, they didn't even make an attempt to introduce them to any of the interesting flavoured craft beers that went very nicely with food. Um, and yet they had a you know a, a food menu that had wines listed um, on it, and no attempt at beer. And you know I just see that more and more across the whole uh, business that you know they just that there is an arrogance and you know that it, it, it it's the brand not the not the liquid that matters. And uh, you know I just think they've gone too far the other way. But anyway, you know, interesting as, times as, ahead. Either way, it is, and I mean th- these things are always opinions, and you know, you and I can spat our opinions till the cows come home, and that's not going to turn CUB around. But uh, as I constantly remind myself, uh, you know, their opinions, uh, you know, the, the opinions of the guys in these breweries are just opinions as well, and uh, you know, <laughs> judging them by how their sales are going, their opinions aren't right either. But anyway, well, that's. Uh, I'll be having lunch tomorrow with a, a couple of um, of uh, said colleagues, so I might uh, I might just. Ask for their opinions and um, and get back to you and the listeners. Ask their opinion, and I'm I'll, I'm having a couple of uh, meetings in the next uh, couple of weeks as well for um, people that have from within the company that have said that they want to uh, catch up and let me know their plans. So I'm very keen to hear their plans. And uh, yeah, anyway, um, mate, who have you lined up for us today? Well, we've got a very interesting guest today, and uh, you and I have spoken to him before. He's um, he's one of the cutting room floor crew uh, here at Radio Brews News, who we've spoken to, but he never quite got up off the ground. Uh, that's the last crack I'll have at you, by the way, Matt. That was, that was, a, little bit, that was a bit of a <laughs> Actually, No, no, no. Well, to, to, to defend myself, we did record it, and then it did take a little while to get it out. Um, and then you and I caught up with Hendo at Good Beer Week, yep. and he said, mate, I, I actually want to sort of uh, do it again. So, do a read? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, that was the reason. Steve Hendo Henderson will be uh, fairly well known to a lot of uh, craft beer drinkers, particularly in Victoria, but also I would imagine some of the um, beers and seaboard with his fine work with uh, Luke Scott down at Otway Estate, brewing under the, uh, uh, primarily under the, the Prickly Moses uh, brand. Uh, Hendo has recently flown the, the nest, um, spread his wings and gone on to a new project. Um, he's become one of those bastard contract brewers. Sorry, Sam. Um, no, Contract Brewers, uh, Southern Bay Brewing Company, which is, has been um, a, a fair contributor to a lot of the beers, both uh, average and very good, that some of the punters out there may be familiar with. But they've never really had, I guess, a presence uh, in and of themselves. They've always just been, oh, yeah, that um, beer factory down in Geelong that makes beer for other people. Uh, it be very interesting to speak to Hendo about... A, putting a face to the contract brewer uh, and also using, I, I guess, putting beers out under their, under their own label and, um, and it'd be interesting to see now how that's going for them. Well, let's get him on and ask him. Let's do that. Howdy. There he is. Howdy, Hendo. What's happening? 
Mate, we've already introduced you, so how about we just get cracking? Sure, fire away. Hendo, uh, Steve Henderson, um, Southern Bay Brewing. Tell us a little bit about how you, you know, where you've come from and how you got here. How I got to Southern Bay? Uh, well, uh, I started here at uh, Southern Bay in, in uh, mid-February of this year. And uh, prior to that, uh, I was brewing for uh, about two years with uh, Luke Scott out at Otway Estate doing Prickly Moses beers. And before that? Bef- how, how, how did you get into brewing? Oh, how did I get into brewing? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, uh, avid home brewer over many years uh, uh, and um, got uh, just got hooked on, uh, started out doing things like Cooper's kits and that sort of thing and wanted to know where this brown goo in a can came from and rather than look it up on Google, I went to university. So I studied for a year uh, at the brewing school at Edith Cowan University in Western Australia and um, deferred for a year, went over to the UK to go work, and then they closed the brewing school for a while um, in um, 2004, 2005. And so um, when I came back, I had to pick up again, so transferred over to University of Ballarat and graduated from there at the end of two. Uh, at the end of 2008, 2009, I think it was. Uh, Spent uh, about a year in uh, the Granite Belt in Queensland making vinegar, of all things, with my brother. And then the opportunity came up to... So yeah, that was uh, that was really sort of you know making vinegar with my with my brother and uh, was was a really good way in in getting into um, you know process production and 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 you know the basics that you do as a brewer like batch logging and quality control and all that sort of thing and so um, you know I was doing that finished up my Ballarat degree and then the opportunity came up to go and work with um, with Luke down at Otway Estate so I uh, up sticks and moved to Victoria and I've been in Victoria ever since and I'm loving it. You've um, gained a bit of a reputation I guess for um, in your time particularly at, at Otway Estate for I guess wanting to push the boundaries not sort of being content to I guess not not play second fiddle but to but but you didn't seem to be the sort of brewer who wanted to push out, you know, accessible, easy drinking, sessionable, et cetera, et cetera, kind of beers. And you were, you were, I guess, seen along with Luke to be, yeah, let's, let's, let's push a little bit and, and see how we go. Was that, do, do you see yourselves as, I guess, trailblazers in that respect? Or do you think you happen to be there at a time? Time when some of the other brewers were starting to do the same thing, so there was kind of a, a bit of a collective um, mindset to, to to brew beers that were were pushing the boundaries a little bit. Oh, look, I, I don't um, I don't consider myself um, to be like a um, an extreme brewer or anything like that. Um, um, I think um, you know around the time when I started at at um, at Otway Estate that. Um, you know, Prickly Moses was pretty well known for doing some great, very approachable and very sessional beers and, and lots of them. And, um, you know, I, I kind of said, well, you know, well, let's let's see if we can just innovate and, and broaden the diversity in our product lineup and, and, and see if the market likes it. You know, it's, um, um, you know, the brew house out there only does um, thousand litre batches, which is only you know, 20 kegs or, um, um, you know, a couple of, couple of pallets of, of bottles. 
um, okay. you know, which which is not interesting. The scheme of things may sound like a lot of beer, but when you put it out to a to a growing market, it's actually uh, not not too much, and so therefore you can afford to take um, some calculated risks. And um, I think that's what I I think that's what I like to do whenever whenever I bring out a new beer is to is to take some um, calculated risks and and um, you know brew the beers that that. I feel I want to make and want to drink, um, and um, and you know at at Prickly Moses, you know with with um, with Luke's um, support and and guidance, you know it really it really paid off. I think over the course of two thousand and eleven, uh, I think uh, I I released seven new beers um, in their in their lineup. Um, and that's more the, in 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 that twelve month period than they'd ever done in their five year history prior. So I'm pretty proud of that um, that innovation that 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 I've brought to to Otway Estate. And I think too, Otway Estate's profile probably grew. Um, I don't know whether the you know whether the books sort of support this, but certainly the um, the, the the general feel would be that Otway Estate gained more of a profile. Uh, as a brewer, I guess took the next step up in terms of people saying it's uh, it's more than just a go-to beer. These, you know, it's it's the kind of brewery that people were. Uh, there was a bit of in the Twitter sphere and in the blogs. There was a little bit of a anticipation when there was something new coming out uh, that that perhaps had been missing before. So I think you guys probably deserve a bit of the credit for that. Thank you. Yeah. No. Look, it's it's a, it's it's a lot of fun um, and. And putting it, putting a new beer together, and and actually getting it out to the market. There's a lot of things, a lot of ducks that need to line up to get a beer out, out there, and get it in front of the punters. Um, and um, you know, uh, having done that many times now, I, I, you know, it's something that's that's become very very natural to me. And um, you know, I think when I started doing some of the new beers that come out of uh, Otway Estate, and I think probably the key one there would be the Raconteur IPA. Um, you know, that took six months from the concept of of getting an IPA out um, to actually releasing it. And so that involved a lot of pilot brewing and testing and throwing some beer down the drain and drinking lots of other batches that went well and and then scaling it up and, and putting a label on the bottle and, and releasing it. Um, then, as um, as Luke and I started to release, uh, you know, seasonal be- seasonal beers more frequently, um, we we managed to reduce that lead time down to six weeks. I think we got it down to from a concept to getting it out the door. So it was pretty impressive, you know. And and I think these days, you know, um, the consumers and and I and I love them to bits for for you know because they're great fun to drink with for a start um <laughs> that you know they um they 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 give you that immediate feedback and they and the consumer's appetite for new products is in, is you know insatiable and uh, i get a real kick out of doing you know new things and and just testing the bounds of you know whether it's maybe not necessarily in in terms of of style i mean i have my own sort of you know like every brewer i have my own style influences and i'm unashamedly you know north american um brewing influenced um you know but um it's just a matter of just putting it out there and it's you're really putting yourself out there i guess when you do a new beer and um you know there's an element of risk and mm, i get a kick out of it it's good fun 
that's a nice, neat little segue into the next section of uh, what we had discussed that we wanted to talk with you about, which was your your move to Southern Bay and the yep. fact that, I guess, for the first time, there's a, a contract brewer out there that has a profile, that has a, a, a face, that has a like a brewer attached to it. But just before we move into that, that sort of yep. next phase of, of your career, you prepared to put cards on the table, question without notice, and say, you know, as a home brewer or then when you were at uh, uh, Otway Estate, what were the... The, the three or four breweries that I guess you, you know, not wanted to be, but that were influences on you that were, that I get, like you say, like you suggested, influenced the, the beers that you, that you wanted to make or the beers that you like to drink. What were the, what were the breweries that I guess were the, um, you know, the, the, the spotlighters for you? Um, yeah, look, um, I'd say, you know, the, the breweries that, um, that influenced me, um, you know, here in Australia, um, I'd, I'd give a, a big tip of the cap to, to Sean Sherlock and, and the, the great work that he's doing up at Murray's. Um, I think he's a true innovator in Australian craft beer. Um, and, um, you know, we, we certainly need more um, uh, more brewers who are um, uh, who are doing great work like, uh, uh, like Sean and Ian are doing now. Um, you know, I, I, I um, studied at Ballarat with Paul Holgate and, um, you know, I like his take on, um, you know, with the Holgate uh, beers on um, the diversity in the, in the styles that they do. I mean, um, you know, Paul's got a great influence in that traditional British style, but then, you know, as he's brought on more brewers and he's wanted to innovate himself, he's sort of, you know, broadening um, the diversity in his lineup, you know, from from having a real ale to having, um, you know, great North American IPA like Hoppinator, through to um, you know one of one of my beers of uh, of last year, which was um, Beelzebub's Jewels, the the quad they do, you know, and mm. that's that's where I think you know I see the um, the successful breweries both here in Australia and abroad um, become successful more successful the more diversity that they um that they put into their product lineup um i think the days of um um having a lineup of beers and having that lineup being constant and consistent year round um you know that the, the, the consumers really moved on from that and so we need to do that as brewers um so you know i you know if i was going to name another brewery that i would look at um you know in terms of influence in terms of both brewing um, and their approach to craft beer and the craft beer industry is uh, is Dogfish Head Brewing. Um, you know, um, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to very very briefly meet Sam Calagione when I was over at the Great American Beer Festival last year, and he just has this real calming aura about. Hey, I, I, aura was the word I was going to use. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I did a book signing, and I just—I just felt like I, you know, I—I I, I want to drink this guy's beer. I want to, you know. Uh, Sorry, Prof. Can we just—you did a book signing, or you went to his book signing? Uh, can we just leave it at that? I think. The, <laughs> Sorry, I just thinking. When, when did Sam Gallagher turn up to Prof's book signing? <laughs> well, I had to go to him. To be fair. <laughs> no, he—he he signed. That was at um, the craft beer conference. Um, oh, yeah. World Beer Cup this year in, in San Diego. So yeah, I, yeah, uh, I they mean, took he, one of my books over and 
but yeah, he's just he's just got this he's just got this aura. So I'm not I'm not giving anything away. There. This is about Hendo. Shut up, man. You know, I'm, I met him at the um, at, at GABF, and it was a crowded bar in the middle of Denver, right in the middle of the the, the festival, and there was lots of people, and everyone wanted to go up to him and high five him and that sort of thing. And he just made time for everybody. And um, you know, a couple of the guys that I was traveling with, I was with um, um, David Summergreen. Um, and he, he's AKA known as the beer mule. And, um, you know, he was sort of key in, in, I believe in, in helping set up the Port Amarillo, uh, beer between Epic and, and Dogfish Head. And yeah. Sam just knew him straight away. Like, you know, it was, it, he basically, he, you know, David said, said hi to Sam and Sam goes, oh, you're the, um, oh, you're the, um, you're the you're the pilot, aren't you? You know, and 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 Dave goes, yeah, and I, and that was really cool that he just remember you know, the guy must meet so many people, and it's just pretty yeah. cool that just remembers people like that. So, you know, I like what they do. I like what Dogfish had do in terms of, um, you know, they they have a, a, a you know approachable beers in their lineup, and then they have the real extreme beers, and and um, you know that's something that that in the coming years I hope to bring to. Uh, to the Australian craft beer scene is 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 more diversity. We need more diversity, and I don't think you can have too much. Um, Hendo, just just on that, um, it, it's been interesting. The the Americans have been the leaders of the you know hop the bejesus out of the beer yep. segment. Um, I've seen some really interesting articles recently, including one I tweeted, I put out on the Brews News Twitter feed uh, recently, saying the Jedi brewers you know bringing balance back to the yeah. force um where they you know they're, they're, there is a big segment of the uh, u.s industry that's moving away from that highly hopped really explode in your mouth yep. flavor to things that are a little bit more balanced and a little bit more um as much as i hate the word sessionable yep. um that seems to be an area that our local brewers excel at and you look at the beers that we picked up golds at at the world beer cup and you see this the uh uh, categories that we're very strong at do seem to be that really nicely balanced, easy drinking style. Is there something that you know, we've learned a lot from the US brewers? Is there something that they can learn from us? Do you think? Well, I think that um, you know the um, here in Australia, you know we we do you know of, of all the diversity that we have in our craft beer market, mostly it's around session beers, around session strength, which. You know, if you were go to go to, um, if you were to bring an American craft beer geek over here to Australia, they'd probably say, "Well, all the beers are, you know, sub six and a half, sub seven percent." That's that, and 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 having big beers and really massive hoppy beers are the exception rather than the rule. And um, uh, so, I think that that really bears out the Australian craft beer style. I suppose you could call it, you know, it's, it's, um, we have a lot of limitations around be, being able to do big, massive hot bombs and high alcohol beers because, you know, we've got a, a taxation system that penalizes the brewers and therefore the consumer, the stronger the beer is. We also have the situation, particularly with hops in that, um, you know, if is that hops are imported and therefore they're quite expensive. And then we have customs or quarantine rules that we can't import hop flowers. Um, so the brewers have had to adapt their brewing style around um, uh, 
um, those limitations. And I think we're doing pretty good is, at it. Is, 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 and I was going to say, is that a, of itself a bad thing? Because one of the things that led beer to evolve in you know, the myriad of styles is, you know, two or 300 years ago, beers on either side of a mountain range were automatically different because of the ingredients that were available, the, the yeast that were available, and so different styles sprung up. You know, the water that was yep. available all guided the style development. You know, the, what, what you're talking about is the modern, you know, uh, for want of a better word, mountain ranges or the, or the modern uh, you know, domestic environment yep. that does allow us to become strong. Otherwise, the world would be a, a bit of a boring place if all of the beers were the same, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and and I suppose you could re- replace a, a, a mountain range to oceans. You know, we're on world's largest island, so um, you know naturally the beers coming from the different countries are going to have inherent inherently different. Uh, I'd call it a personality, and um, you know so do the uh, the brewers. We influence each other, and you know when you see cool things happen, like some. You know some of the um, the really cool you know international collaborations that have happened here in Australia, or you know just just in here in 2012. Um, it good good comes from our industry from those collaborations. You know, um, probably the ones that 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 I would identify in that in that cross pollination of each other's influence would be. Um, Oh, look, I'd have to name top of my head would be Bridge Road India Saison. I think it's one of the most uh, innovative beers that I've seen um, done here in Australia um, in in ages. You know, that, that, that Saison IPA, um, you know, fusion. Hybrid. Yeah, yeah, between and, and done between, you know, Ben Krause of Bridge Road and, and, and the crew from, from Nogno. So... Um, that was a really cool beer to see. And then, of course, we've had, um, um, what's his name, Christian from Beer Here come over and he's done uh, a couple of beers. We had McKellar come over, did beers with Mountain Goat, did beers with, with uh, Ben Krause up at Bridge Road again. Um, beer Here have done beers with Moondog. And we're all, you know, every time that those collaborations happen, the brewers are learning from each other. And that brings... You know, we, you know, whenever a collaboration happens, you know, each of the brewers brings something to the table, and um, um, you know, we all, we, you know, whether it's raw materials, you know, like in the case of India Saison, it's Australian Australian hops, um, you know, in the case of, um, um, you know, in other cases, it might be around brewing techniques or and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we we've all got something to learn about it. So. You know, to sort of sum that up, it's like, yeah, we, you know, the different regions of the world have their own influences and style, but I love it when we cross it over. You know, it's pretty cool to see. Hey, just very quickly, does somebody have a squeaky door in the background? Yes, that's my lab door. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. And, yeah, um, your, lab, your, lab, your Labrador needs uh, oiling. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, lab door. Yeah, no, yeah. I know, I need a picture of a Labrador on my lab door, so... <laughs> Well, just because I know we, we do have some listeners that uh, like to pick up every, uh, and I'm looking at you, uh, Dan Summers, um, every, uh, every time they hear mouse a mouse click, click and stuff like yeah. that. Well, no, I'm, so, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually sitting at my desk, which is in, in my lab here at Southern Bay, and today um, we've, got, um, we've got Jane Lewis here from Two Birds. She's brewing a batch of her awesome Sunset Ale today, and... Um, 
they the boys have have gotten out like about half a dozen, six or eight or more different hop varieties, and they're making all these hop teas, and just evaluating them while they're waiting for the boil to happen so you know just just looking at what combinations work and and you know what's what's cool and it's it's uh you know it's just little things like that 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 um that everyone sort of gets a benefit from you know that's that's one of the cool things i like about brewing at southern bay because we see jane here quite a quite a lot and um it's a real collaborative spirit we've got going on so yeah Hey, it's also that, pretty indicative um, of, of Radio Brews News in that, you know, we try to keep it as professional as possible, but sometimes yeah. it's, you know, technically dodgy and it's like live radio, just what happens, happens. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on that, and uh, back to the uh, conversation, um, Labdoor. So, uh, what, what, you know, you obviously have a, not a Labrador, but you've obviously got a lab um, at, at the brewery. Yes. Um, how important are, are things like that? You know, I, I guess... I take it back to you know, a lot of people are critical of you know bigger breweries. A lot of people are critical of uh, contract breweries. But if, if you want to get a, a consistent beer in, I guess you guys have got um, facilities that some of the really small breweries just can't afford. Not that they, not that that necessarily makes their beer any worse or anything. But consistency is, is an issue, and that seems to be an advantage for you guys. Oh, look, you know the 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 lab that I've got is is pretty pretty rudimentary, but. It is a lab, nonetheless. I've got two Bunsen burners, and um, that's pretty cool. Um, and um, a couple of spectros and uh, an incubator where I can incubate yeast or bacteria samples, that sort of thing. And um, I have it because as a contract brewer, you know, you've got to brew beer to the customer's specification and to meet certain quality requirements. So I... I it, it's new for me in this job having having a lab because I'd never had one at um, at Otway Estate. Um, it was very much um, you know um, garage style in that you 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 make it and, and you you sort of go with it and you use your, your sensory evaluation to to work out if something is is faulty with the beer, which which can happen occasionally. Um, but here, you know, we have to be a little bit more precise. Um, we collect an, a, an enormous range of data on every uh, batch of beer that we brew here. And um, really that comes down to a quality focus and, and what the consumer expects. Um, you know, we're brewing beer here, you know, 35 different types of beer here, um, you know, for about 25 different odd brands. And, you know... People move away from generic mainstream beer and they move to craft beer. Um, but even though they might move to craft beer, there's still that expectation that whenever you pick that bottle off the shelf or when you when you have a have a have a pint at the pub, that that it is what it is and it stays as consistent as possible from batch to batch. Now, more importantly, Hendo, do you have um, lab coats and clipboards? Because all that other stuff <laughs> sounds very impressive. <laughs> but I've seen uh, no, lots of ads for lots no. of very, very, you know, good products, and yes. they always have someone in a lab coat with a clipboard. Toothpaste. I mean, you, you can't make toothpaste. Underarm deodorant. Exactly. Um, Shampoo. Yep. Yep. No. Not exactly. I, I want to know that. I, I want to know that my brewers are kitted out at least as professionally as people that make underarm deodorant. Yeah. No. Unfortunately, not. Um, you know. Um, I wanted to bring in a hairnet policy here, but there's something to work on. Something to work yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. We 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 
we don't have uh, lab coats here. Um, I, yes, I do have a lab coat at home, and that comes from my days at at, uh, at University of Ballarat. Um, was thinking about dyeing it pink and wearing it here just for shits and giggles, but um, no, we're pretty. You know, we we we're professional, but we're informal. I suppose is the way that you would um, describe the crew here at Southern Bay. Now, how would you describe the change? Uh, because, uh, as we alluded to before, I guess Southern Bay was has, has has been seen as a reasonably major player in the Australian beer scene. In that, a lot of a lot of the people in the in the know in that inner circle will probably uh, be familiar with certain brands that they know come out of of Southern Bay. Yeah. Now, up until now, a we haven't had a Southern Bay branded beer, which we now have. And secondly, I think people are seeing a shift. Not just in terms of you as a uh, as a personality, I guess heading up the business, but you as a brewer uh, of, of you know held in, in in particularly high regard, that people now have I guess a different expectation of, of beers coming out of of Southern Bay. Yeah, look, I mean um, Southern Bay has uh, has been in this on this site in Moolap in Geelong uh, for 24 years now. We've got our 25th anniversary coming up um, next year. Um, and but I've got to tell you, that lab is very, very, very busy. <laughs> I'm looking at Jane. I'm shaking my fist at her at the moment. It's like squeaky door, and that's okay. <laughs> and um, it's um, yeah. So you know, it's it's a brewery that that has been around for 24 years. It was Geelong Brewing Company up until 1999 and then 2000 it changed to Southern Bay when it changed ownership. And um, uh, it's, um, uh, you know, it's it's traditions are steeped in lager and draft and, and all those sorts of things. And I've got in my lab here, I'm looking at some of the old bottle products that we used to do. And we used to do like things like Geelong Draft, Geelong Bitter, you know, and they're, they're all basically, you know, small-scale rip-offs of what the, the bigger breweries were doing at the time. Um, and, um, you know, our draft beer, our house draft beer has been around, you know, it's like, I don't think it's it's uh, it's fair to say, you know, that, that the beers haven't been around. They've been around and you see our draft beer gets gets rebadged and resold as so many different things um, yeah. and so many different labels. Um, and, you know, that's so that beer itself, you know, you might not think much of the style. I certainly don't think much of the style, but I think it should be well made because, um, you know, the there's there's a history behind it that 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 I um, you know pay tribute to and that sort of thing. So um, you know it's um, um, it's a real sort of um, uh, it's it's a historic beer and and it's a historic brewery and the recent changes um, you know I think Southern Bay has you know recognised now that 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 to to copy what the two big players in Australian beer do um, doesn't have a foreseeable future when their when their market share is rapidly declining, um, you know, across the broader beer market. So if you want to be succeed, to be successful, if you want to have a successful future in the beer industry, you have to innovate, and the innovation is happening in the craft beer segment, and that's why it's What's- growing. What sort of breakdown? Um, what has the breakdown been in terms of the percentage of, of beers that are your your own versus the beers that you've been contracting? And is that has that changed, or is that is that changing? Well, the the, the thing is, is that um, 
I think historically, if I look back, you know, over the 24 years that Southern Bay's been in this site, you know, they, they haven't really innovated um, in terms of their product. You know, the, the, the product hasn't really innovated. Uh, or ha- hasn't been innovative, and this brewery here has a phenomenal capacity to put out a lot of product. You know, um, as the old Geelong Brewing Company, you know, it has the potential to put out eighteen to twenty thousand liters of product a day. Um, and if there's no market for that beer, then you've got to do something to keep the revenue and that sort of thing ticking over. Which is why I guess Southern Bay turned to contract brewing. Um, to, to keep things ticking over and to, to keep that throughput that this brewery needs to survive going. Um, yeah. and, um, and so to turn it over now to the, the, the many different brands that, that come out of here, um, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Our, our proportion of um, uh, our own product that comes out of here by revenue, I believe, is around the 25% mark. So it's not... A huge amount, and most of our revenue is de- derived from from contract brewing. The sorts of brands that you guys produce, and obviously we don't want to necessarily go into, uh, you know, using examples of the of the brands that you make, because as yep. I say, some of the obviously of, two birds is one. Yeah, birds is one. Some, but but and Jane is probably a good example of someone who uh, has made no secret of the fact that they want to be a um, going that route of brewing their beers under contract. To establish the brand, and then at some stage, hopefully, to create their own uh, brew house. But it also, I guess, while we're on that on that topic, um, and it's a per- perfect illustration today, is that uh, Southern Bay has a bit of a reputation of being if, like an, an open brew house. In that, if you want to come down and be the brewer, we will work with you, walk you through the equipment, you let us know what you need to do. Whereas other, I guess, beer sellers. We'll just kind of fax um, a, a nice note saying, "Can I please have ten pallets of your, you know, uh, number one lager?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, w- the crew and I, we love having having Jane here. I mean, Jane is is um, you know extremely hands on with how um, she produces her product, um, and uh, to to the to the point where. You know, she may not own a brewery. She may be using a contract brewery, but but she can hand on heart stand in front of the the punters out there and say, "I made this beer because she she makes the beer." You know, she's responsible for it. Um, you know, today's a classic example. We're 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 brewing um, Sunset Ale today, um, and um, you know, when 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 we're doing um, Jane's beers, I step out of the brewery and Jane steps in and she's telling the crew what to do, and um, she's a very She's a brewer who I have a lot of admiration and respect for. She's very fastidious and her standards are very high and that helps us to raise our standards. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really proud to have, um, have uh, two birds, Jane and, and Danielle here. So it's cool. Has that she's giving me a big smile right now too. Oh, that's, so that's good. <laughs> well, we should tell it. Now, tell us she's on the wire. Hear the door squeak. <laughs> <laughs> next time we hear the door squeak, we're asking you again <laughs> when we know that she's yeah, not there. <laughs> now, are there. Are there other brewers who, since you've taken over, have have approached you to come down and, and do a Jane, if you like, and, and uh, contract brew hands on, uh, or do you do you think that that may be? 
more of an option in the future? I guess I guess the question is, is there capacity down there or are you guys pretty much, uh, you know, running full tilt at the moment? No, no, there is um, there is capacity here and, and um, you know, I'm speaking with some, some uh, other companies at the moment um, who are looking to replicate the same model in in the way in which Jane operates, um, and um, I I, encu- I openly encourage that because um, um, it it helps um, you know a lot of the um, it helps the the brewery become better and to produce better beer, and um, helps us to get more innovative beers out there. You know, one of my existing customers who I um, um, have a lot of uh, respect for the products is um is a gentleman by the name of um Dan Wright and he's doing um swell swell branded beers out of um McLaren Vale in South Australia and I don't think that we've really seen them here in Victoria Matt I don't know if you see them up, up your way up in Queensland um but he I've just been sent I mean I've just been sent some uh and I didn't realize that you guys yeah. made them and they are really they are impressive. Very impressive. Um, so yeah. and th- that answers one question I was going to follow up uh, with Dan down yep. there. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've tried the pale ale and the wheat now, yep. and uh, the wheat's a cracker, isn't very, it? Very, very, it is, it is. Um, it, it's yeah, no, it's a really nice. Which it surprised me because uh, I find that the wheat beer is one that can be a little bit variable um, over here. But no, I yep. loved it. So congratulations oh, on that. Well, you know, I mean tip of the cap to to the brewer there dan you know he he he's yep. you know it it takes um a lot of um intestinal fortitude to um go and put a, a, a new product out into the craft beer market um and you know whether it's me or whether it's jane or whether it's dan you know we all take a huge personal and financial risk in putting these beers out there because there's always that risk that people may not like it. And um, then if people don't like it, then it doesn't sell. So, and then you're stuck, you know, it costs, it costs upwards of, you know, fifty to $70,000 to do a batch of beer here and to get it to market. Um, and that's, that's, that's a huge financial risk. So, you know, for those brewers who do come here um, and, and, and come and have their products produced here, I, I, I have a lot of respect for because they, they stand behind their products um, and and their beers enough to to put themselves out there. I mean, you know, and 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 I'll refer back to to Jane again with 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 the Sunset Ale that being the second beer in her lineup. You know, she was brewing here for about eight months with a Golden Ale, and then um, um, uh, you know, she came up with the idea of doing the Sunset Ale, and so you know, we were really happy to um, help her out and do some test batches and check out some hop combinations and see what worked and see what didn't. And at the end of the day, Jane, you know, formulated this beer and, and that's the beer that you see out there today. And, you know, it's getting some really good reviews, the old Sunset Ale. And, and um, it's, it's, it's really, you know, makes me proud to, to be that silent partner um, behind um, all of my contract brewing customers to know that we're doing beers out there that people love. It's pretty cool as well, you know, when, when Jane's in here and, and she's bottling a beer off and that sort of thing, you know, the, 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 you've got the bottling line running full steam and all the crew are busy and they, they get a two birds label off the labeling machine and stick that on their chest cause they're working for Jane today and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's good to see, you know, and 
you know, it's 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 um, it's a lot of fun. Mate, just uh, away from your own brewing, looking at the uh, broader industry. Actually, I should say, uh, Prof, was there anything that you wanted to follow on from there before I change things? No, 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 no good, good. Today we've uh, reported a uh, the US craft brewing industry uh, have released their latest yep. statistics. Um, most craft breweries uh, in 125, or most breweries in 125 years, given the craft uh, is a fairly yep. new um, concept. Um, I think this value of sales went up 14% in the quarter. Um, volume went up 12%. They're obviously uh, kicking major goals yep. there. Um, locally, um, what, what, what do you think is... Uh, holding Australian craft beer back, assuming it is being held back, what, what, what do you think is the biggest problems facing the uh, local craft brewing uh, industry? Oh, there are a few. Um, if I would have to uh, name one, um, which is a particular um, inhibitor for me at the moment, it would be those bloody tap contracts. Um, and, um, you know, I, I make, um, you know, I don't pull any punches when I say that 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 something needs to happen with these this this anti-competitive behaviour that's going on from from the two big players, um, and um, uh, the fact that um, uh, you know it's it's you know it's hard to I've got to be very careful with what I say and choose my words very carefully, but you know the the way in which the taps in venues are locked up. Um, you know, in return for a tap system or something like that, it reduces the ability for the consumer to choose what they drink, and um, um, and I think that that that's probably one of the main inhibitors that prevents craft beer from from growing. Um, Just on that, because I mean that's something I've railed against in the past mm. as well, and it's, it's interesting because you, you do have these conversations with both the big brewers and the small brewers, and you know I've seen recently that there are certain of the um, smaller brewers, um, the bigger smaller brewers, that have started you know uh, entering into agreements. I, I won't say necessarily they were contracts, but you do start seeing a lot of you know five plus one deals um you do start seeing a lot of you know we'll give you x support um you know we'll do this for you and you do even see um some of them apparently putting in uh tap systems it it you know it, it it's one of those things that when you've only got the small and the big and the big guys are putting in tap systems and then locking everybody else out that it, it's unfair but it also seems to be something that a lot of the smaller guys um, are moving towards as they get a little bit bigger and, and they have the financial muscle um, mm -hmm. to do it. That, that, that's led me to start questioning it. Well, you know, yes, it, it, it does make it hard for the little guys, but if the little guys are starting to do that, isn't it just one of those things that you do as and when you can afford it? Just like as you've got more money, you can uh, advertise more and as you've got more money, um, you can, you know, help venues, help your partner venues a little bit more um, because, you know, is it just good business sense? Don't. Yeah, is it just good business? Model? Well, you know, uh, now that I work for a, a, a work at a brewery that is, you know, that has, is twenty times the capacity of the of of the brewery I came from at Otway Estate. Uh, you know, the economies of scale there 
um, you know, do make it a little more cost effective to produce product, despite the fact that I've got a very old brewery, which isn't particularly efficient. Um, but, you know, through my own product and all of the other products that come through here, I get better buying power on raw materials and, and, and things like that. Now, that said, though, um, you know, things like um, keg deals, you know, the six plus ones or whatever, look, I, I see that as, as um, um, price, as, as, a, as a conversation that's about price and how, how a brewery chooses to price their product um, is up to each individual brewery. Though, you know, I'm of the opinion that craft brewers shouldn't get into a price war because um, then if we if we do that, then um, then we um, uh, will cannibalise our our industry and our market. You know, similar to what happened with wine in the um, you know during the nineties, I suppose. Um, and you know, as far as things like you know putting taps in, tap systems in. Uh, um, you know, signage, point of sale. Well, it's a real grey area, guys. I mean, um... I, I, look, I, I agree, and, and we, which is why I raise it because it's so easy to um, uh, say, look, the, the big guys are just evil um, because they've got their money and they throw it around, and they exclude other people. Um, but it, it, it's, it's funny. I wrote a series of articles about it um, uh, about eighteen months ago that really came out. Because one particular venue had uh, completely locked out the the, the craft guys, yep. but when when you start talking to a lot of the big guys, and even when you start talking to a lot of the hoteliers, um, it's not necessarily the uh, brewers that are going in saying, "Look, we'll do this for you." Although there is obviously a lot of that, there is just an expectation amongst a lot of hoteliers mm. that, "What are you going to give me?" And I've seen it with a mm. lot of uh, small inverted commas craft beer venues there, there are a couple in brisbane that have opened up and you know they will just say what's your price and they'll yep. pay it because they, they want to see a flourishing uh industry but there are others that i've seen you know screwing down little guys and saying oh look if you're not going to match this you know brewery that's 20 times your size's price i'm not going to put you on now they're not they're not actually contracting their taps but they're also, it, it, it's not the brewers that are necessarily going in and saying, um, you know, we'll beat your, your best mm. price. It's mm. the, the venues that are offering for it or you, you're just not... It does work both them. ways. It, it certainly that does. does seem to be just a function of um, competition. As a, yeah, And admittedly, the small guys have got, um, you know, don't have the buying power and they don't have the pricing power. And that's also where I, I start to resent it when, you know, the, the big brewers who have all of these advantages and do have this financial um, clout, they then start moving into the territory of the small brewers. And you, you've, you've got, you know, Lion Nathan brewing beer at the you know, much larger Squires Brewery, but calling it Kosciuszko mm. Pale Ale when they've got a little 600. So they want all of the advantages that they've got of mm. size, but then they also want to have this nice little niche brand that sounds like it's you know drinking the pure glacial water of jindabyne yep. but that's that's where australian brews news comes in you know to, well to, uh, <laughs> yes. to, to lift the lid to pull the curtain away and show how uh, with you know the wizard of oz is a sawn off little runt with a big uh, microphone <laughs> and, and a smoke machine yeah that's, that's, well, that's know, our job to keep everyone honest yeah and and, and you guys do a great job of it and um and i and i love it and i respect it look i, I you know I don't know much about um, um, how the the hotel market and and the, the 
the hoteliers and the bottle shops and that sort of thing work. You know, I mean, um, I'm I'm a brewer and I'm I'm predominantly focused on, you know, brewing the best beer that I can. But brewers, craft brewers, um, have a, a mutual respect for each other, um, and it's a it's a global phenomenon. And um, you know, there are certain things that are that are unspoken. Um, in the industry um, that just don't happen and and it's not that we're colluding or agreeing or anything like that it's just you know it's things like I would I wouldn't never ever want to see not one pub out there that Southern Bay contracted it just would would just go against my entire philosophy around um, my desire for the consumer to have a choice you know I don't want um, a Southern Bay beer to be your daily drink. You know, that's I'll leave that up to the big breweries to try and press that message, but it's not a message that I want to get out there. Um, I want. And isn't 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 that something that we uh, you know that the craft brewing industry and hopefully uh, you know organisations like CBIA can actually tell that message that you know craft beer is a point of yep. difference and educating venues that you know yes you can contract. And you get these benefits, but if you've got exactly the same tap as the seven other hotels in your suburb, then you can only compete mm. against price. Whereas the craft beer can offer you added values and a loyal customer base and and those sorts of things. And isn't isn't that where the, the craft brewers can compete on selling Absolutely. that message? Absolutely, and and um and, and I can give you an example of that. Is a, a very old friend of mine, um, Mark Transport Minen of the Royal Standard Hotel in in um, um, West Melbourne. Um, you know, he, he and I have been, been mates for, you know, 13, 14 years or something like that. And we were tour guides in, in Europe together and we sort of lost touch around, you know, the start of the, the noughties and two thousands and that sort of thing. And then we sort of reconnected on Facebook and, um, and I said, Oh, I see you living in, in Melbourne. And, and I said, oh, I'm, this is just after I started at Prickly Mate. I said, Oh, I'm living out in Colac. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I just I just bought a pub in Melbourne. And I went, no way, I make beer now. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, and so, you know, I went and went to his, you know, opening party when he took on the the lease at the the Royal Standard, and I brought a keg of summer ale out there, and and um, you know, it was something that wasn't Carlton's draft, and and he and I, you know, he's not a big, oh, he's not a beer geek. He's becoming a beer geek, which is awesome. Um, but um, you know, he doesn't have a tap contract um he is a locals pub um and he slowly educated his punters that you know there are more beers out there other than um you know carlton draft or vb or whatever and so he starts he, st- he started to slowly and the, and the, and i think the the pace in which his tap rotations are happening um is is getting more and more rapid and it'll get to a point where it'll probably plateau off but you know he's out there. He's a he's a hotelier who's educating his consumers. Um, is offering a point of difference to the other pubs around him, and he's keeping the punters returning to his venue. And um, and and that's good for his business longer term. He's had to, um, you know, suffer, um, you know, on this journey. You know, a, a little bit of a. Um, um, you know, well, he's not suffered, but he's taken a risk, and the risk for him now is starting to pay off. And and um, you know that 
I wish there were more venues like like um, like Marks because um, you know. He... But and, and I guess that was my point is that you know, if um, just say tap contracts were uh, abolished tomorrow or they were made illegal tomorrow, I don't think that the tap landscape, the beer landscape, would change. It vastly, wouldn't change overnight. Um, Definitely not. Quickly and, and and the other thing is I don't think there's the capacity amongst the craft. I mean, most of the successful craft brewers are struggling to keep up with the demand for their yes. beer already. Um, so it wouldn't change. And I I, th- I think it's that slow process of growing the market and you know getting more players in as the market can you know so we don't get the gold rush mentality of people just rushing in and flooding the market with craft oh, indeed. beer um, and then washing out. But it's getting more guys like him and. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I remember reading a series of articles in the 90s about how fantastic McDonald's was, for example, for, you know, it was breeding the next generation of business people um, because, you know, you've got all these young people learning mm. business and, you know, operating a business and becoming junior yep. managers. But what I think it, it gave was a whole lot of people that can follow the head office dictates um, but can't actually think for themselves and you know they they rely on you know this is your promotion that comes from head office and this is how you yep. merchandise this is how many times you shake the salt on yep. your fries it's not actually uh, making them and I, and I you know no offense to a lot of the pub owners out there um, and a lot of the ones who listen to this it doesn't apply to but there are a whole lot of pub owners out there that you know they're not, they're not publicans anymore they are just get people in and you know, into the hotel and they'll drink whatever's on tap. Um, and you don't have people, you, you don't have the pub owners that know how to sell craft beer because they don't know what it is in, in in the first place. And just putting craft beer on is a great way to watch it fail, in my view. Yes. You, 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 you actually need to support it at a you, venue level and you need people that yes, can do that. Yes, you do. And you do a great job of that, um, Matt. And um... <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. no oh, that, 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 that's, but you, you need publicans that can do well, it. Well, publicans and it's, can yeah. do it. And, uh, but the thing is, a lot of the publicans just don't know. I mean, you know, when when, when I was working with, with um, Mark at, at the Royal Standard, you know, um, you know, he, he came down to the microbrewery showcase at Federation Square and he tried a lot of the different beers that were going on and he tried a couple of the um, the Moses beers that um, that we had had on at the time and you know he actually picked out Otway Ale which is a pretty straightforward you know sessionable beer and um, you know and slowly introduced that to his clientele and I believe within three months, OIL was out selling Carlton Draft. Um, but it's a journey, and you can't put a you know a a, a, a horse burnt horse hair double IPA hop bomb sour in front of the average punter and expect them to all of a sudden get craft beer. There's a journey, and, and there's a progression um, for everybody involved. It's it's the it's you know the brewers have to have that progression in their product lineup. The um, the venues have to have that progression in their product lineup, uh, and indeed the consumer themselves is on um, their own journey. And as a brewer, I have to be mindful because I speak to so many punters out there um, all the time on, and I have to sort of calibrate my conversation on, you know, if someone's new to craft beer that I keep the conversation quite basic but try and pique a little in, bit of interest so that they can um, um, stretch themselves and try new things and step outside of their comfort zone 
Um, whereas, you know, you've got the you've got the uber beer geeks out there that want you to do the 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 the, the, the get stuck into the sours and all sorts of um, pretty advanced beers. So. You know, gosh, it almost it seems like the diversity is everywhere there. You know, even amongst the the, the punters, and and really, it's the diversity that's gonna gonna keep us growing and and, and keep us successful. We, we we're think, shifting we're... away from the, the the mainstream, and you know, we 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 wound up in this country of coming pretty close to having monotonous, boring, you know, beers from you know with many different labels that were just one style. Um, to to where we're at today, and I think that really the journey is just beginning. And I think the key, yeah, you know, we're talking about passion, and we've we've spoken about it plenty of times here before and written about it. And I, yep. I think if the if the venues um, operators' passion matches the the brewers' passion, then you're going to have a a good venue and a good relationship with your with your suppliers. As Matt alluded to, if you just want to, if you see the craft beer as the only um, you know, bar on the graph that's actually growing, and so you just want to throw a few token uh, bits and pieces in, thinking that's going to turn your business around. Then yeah, you know, you're probably doomed from the start. No, exactly. Um, but you passion know, and, and passion works. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know that that we need all the brewers out there to be, um, you know, and, and the and the venues and the consumers to be mindful of where they are, where they're at. Think about the the, the people who are buying the product. And putting the right products in front of them. I was listening to to you guys um, chat the other day on your return episode about, you know, some of the beers that that come out. Um, and I think you guys, um, you know, mentioned McLaren Vale and and you know how you know people have, you know, some of the some of the the beer geeks out there may have, um, you know, some, you know, slightly negative comment to say about them, but. You know, Vale IPA. You know, I'm loving that beer. It's just, a, it's a cracking beer, and it's so, it's so accessible. I'm spot on. It's yeah, so have, accessible. And have a, have a uh, two I've... four packs in the fridge at the moment, just just based on when because Matt reminded me, and I saw it in the bottle shop the other day when I went to get some stuff for a tasting. I thought, yeah, I'm just gonna grab a couple of those. Yeah, and yeah, it, it 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 rates there for me. It like it it's the to IPAs what uh, Stone and Wood's Pacific Ale was to the, the Australian Ale in, in a sense, you know, like, well, that's probably not a, a great way of denying it, but it's, it's right in that category, very flavoursome, but still very yep, approachable. Very flavoursome, yeah. very approachable, very reasonably priced, um, you know, um, without being, you know, without sort of um, being too harshly competitive that they're trying to get it out there uber cheap or anything, because it is still more expensive on a two, on a per unit basis on the shelf at a bottle shop, yeah. um, then, um, um, uh, then, you know, Carlton draft, that sort of thing. So they're not trying to take over the world. They're just putting a darn good beer out there. That's that, that, that sits in on a, on a Dan Murphy's or a Woolworth's shelf, um, you know, very well and, and compliments what they're doing, you know, um, um, you know, compliments, even, you know, even the big supermarket players in the, in the bottle shop sort of industry, Complements what they're doing. It gives the consumers choice, you know. And if you've got the capacity to uh, produce a product that you can produce enough of it to um, to be in those venues, then um, um, you know, good good on you, you know. And for the smaller players out there, um, you know, my my um, my advice to them is is that um, be innovative. Um, you know, if you're a smaller brewer then you need to target 
your niche. And there's a lot of niches that are just untapped out there at the moment. Um, and you just need to find that message or that style of beer or the diversity in lots of different styles of beers um, and, and, and run with it. And, you know, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tip the cap to, to the Moondog boys. You know, they found their niche. They're a very, very small brewery. Um, but they've found their niche in doing all these extreme beers and, and, um, there's a market for it and, and they're doing great. And, you know, I'm, I, I love the work that they do and it's not for everybody. And I think that's what it means when you, when you find your niche is, is accepting. And I mean, every time I put a bit new beer out on, in, in front of the punters, you know, I accept that this, that, that this beer, not everybody is going to like it. And if you let yourself go from that, you know, creatively, you can you, you you can do so much more. Um, you know, sometimes I'll do a beer that's extreme or you know tests the boundaries. Sometimes I'll do a beer that's quite sessionable and and approachable, um, and and quite sort of you know in the craft beer sense quite mainstream. You know, um, and 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 I'm and I'm and I'm stuck with that um, now because now I'm at a brewery that 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 its smallest batch size that it can do is 6,000 litres. And that's, that's 750 cases of beer. That's, um, you know, that's, you know, seven odd pallets of, of beer just in one batch. So as a brewer, I'm in a particularly unique situation in that I need to calibrate the beers that I put out there um, to uh, ensure that, um, that, that I don't, that I, that I make beers that are approachable enough that I can sell that volume, yet um, yet be, be be creative and innovative enough to capture the, the the beer geeks as well. So love the challenge. Hendo, Prof, mate, we're coming up to about an hour ten here, so I think we've got everybody in from the outer suburbs. Oh, uh, I was just about to say too that the, uh, the the flames of the campfire are just slowly starting slowly to die down, and <laughs> we've got to stop holding hands and sing yes. kumbaya about the craft beer industry and, and, and let everyone get back to work. I think. Yep, absolutely. Everyone's what are they? People watch, listen to this when they're driving and that sort of thing. Yeah, all, driving, all sorts brewing, of things. We've brewers, got a lot of guys who brew brewing. House. Yeah, we yeah. have it on sometimes. Travelling on the train. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. Oh well, drive safely, everybody. And <laughs> <laughs> Steve Henderson from uh, Southern Bay uh, Brewing. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for your beer. And, uh, mate, we look forward to having sitting down and having a beer with you uh, very soon. I'm looking very much forward to getting up to Queensland uh, very soon. Um, uh, I'm, I missed Queensland Beer Week this year, but um, but I will be up. You missed a cracker, I, I, know, I have to I say. Uh, I, will, I will be there next year and make no, no doubt about that. Um, but you'll see me up, in, up your way before the end of the year and uh, looking forward to it. Prof, we might just, uh, I don't think we need to add any more to this. It's been a fantastic chat. It's been you know, fascinating to, to listen to. I think we can just uh, sort of strike up those uh, fat German guys. Very much so. Um, and Very much so. Get our, wump- uh, get, get, get our Wumpa get on. went on sale this week for uh, Ballarat Beer Festival. Don't know if you're involved in that one, uh, Hendo. But, it, it will um, be there, that, yeah. Yeah, 19th of, 19th of January next year. It's going to uh, be awesome. Get around it. And Prof is going to be running a beer education class or a beer, a beer, educa- uni- beer university. A beer or? education tent. Oh, cool. A beer education tent. Oh, marquee. It's a bit, it's a bit bigger <laughs> that than That certainly tent. sounds better. Than, <laughs> it sounds a little better than the old just drinking and fighting. Oh, well, don't, get too, yeah, don't, don't get too excited. It's just a two-man pub tent. And I'll just be having one person at a time. We're just going to have a chat about beer. But, uh, 
Well, no, it's going to happen at that moment, and if it just means we we, we drink beer with, with the punters and, and give me a shout. Done. Done. That'd be cool. All right. It's a date. But uh, good, good to talk good, to you good guys. Luck for the future, mate. We look forward to uh, what the what the next uh, phase of, of Southern Bay Southern Bay Brewing's twenty four years. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Football. Next beer coming out is Hot Bazooka IPA, which is coming out in October, and uh, that's going to be a five is high that, five percent IPA. Is that going to be a hoppy hoppy beer? That one? Yeah, okay. yeah. I've done my malt, <laughs> a bit of malt with the metalhead porter, and Excellent. so I'm back on the hops now. Beautiful. Now, to, can, can we give away one of the Hopsuka T-shirts? Because that's uh, that was a high-demand item I, when uh, you were wearing them down at yes. Good Beer Week. Yes, I've got... Do you reckon we can score one or two I've, of those I've to got, give away? Um, I've got Hop Bazooka T-shirts. I've got um, Metalhead Robust Porter T-shirts. I don't know if you've seen the label for that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's and, cool one. And um, I've got um, Requiem um, T-shirts as well. Can we give away one one of each of those to reward anybody that's uh, stuck with us this far into the podcast? Of course you can. You just get in okay. Me well, there you go. Know. We might. Oh no! Or just shoot us just shoot us an email at editor at bruisenews.com.au yep. and uh, tell us uh, which brewery Steve Henderson works at. Um, there we that'll go. That, that'll see if anyone's still. Done. You, you send us some t-shirts and we'll send you some uh, up seven for that yep. uh, for the, the squeaky door. Yep. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> okay, guys, we're out of here. We'll talk to everybody hopefully this time next week. Done. See you all. Strike up the band. Let's get out of here. Go drink some beer. There's a garden. What a garden. Only happy faces bloom there. And there's never It's a big surprise.